It's a beautiful story of people who just happened to have an encounter discussion. Alicia had a dream in her mind. They, she and Deborah run into each other here at church and get into a discussion. Never take lightly a seemingly random discussion at church. It can turn into all kinds of things. It turns into a connection with Sabrina, which then turns into a connection with Janet, who we would not even have known otherwise, except she was a friendly neighbor who came over to greet uh, new folks that moved into the neighborhood. Isn't it neat how God places people in the right places at the right times? And if, if we engage, so this is a story of engagement, each, each one of the gears engaging at the right time in the right way, amazing things can happen. Amazing things will get done. I want to talk in the time we have left today about another story from the Bible of two people, which I think is an amazing story about how you can engage. There's water there. How you can become engaged and make a big difference. Because these are people who ended up making a difference. So to get to this story, I want us to go to Acts chapter 18. I'm going to read from Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. And here's how the story goes. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. All right. There's a lot to this story already just in this context. Paul has just come from the city of Athens. If you remember the story of Paul's ministry in the book of Acts, you'll remember his visit to Athens didn't go all that well. He went there and and he wanted to share about Jesus and he was trying to figure out how to do it and he went through a lot of different attempts to get the story of Jesus told, but it just never really seemed to get traction in Athens. And so he left there and he went to Corinth. And maybe his confidence was down a little. Who knows? But he comes to Corinth, and he runs into what we would have to describe as a couple of refugees. Priscilla and Aquila were Jews that had been living in Rome. But Claudius said, no more Jews in Rome. They got thrown out. So they had to go somewhere. They go to Corinth. Now, you would not think, if you were just looking at this hypothetically, you would not think Corinth would be a very promising place for the gospel to take root. And here's why. The city of Corinth is located at a very narrow spot on the Greek peninsula. And because of that, it became a center for commerce and trade because uh, shippers could come to the one side of this little narrow piece of land and unload their goods and take them over land to the water on the other side. Later, there was even a canal take their goods there and continue on their way without having to go all the way down around the southern side of Greece. And so because of this, Corinth became uh, a business center. So you've got this city full of businessmen and full of sailors. So what kind of city is that? Yeah, very much. Not exactly the kind of place where you're going to think the gospel is going to take off. But here comes Paul and he encounters Priscilla and Aquila. Now, verse 3 says, And because he, Paul, was a tent maker as they were, 
he stayed and worked with them. So Paul comes to Corinth pretty much on his own. He encounters these two that are tent makers. We don't know from the text whether they were believers in Jesus or not yet. We do know from the way the story develops that they came to believe, but somehow Paul connected with them. And Priscilla and Aquila ran this business and they said, hey, come and join us. So Paul joined with them. They were tent makers together. And while he was doing that, then verse four, every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now what's gonna happen in this story is Silas and Timothy are going to arrive. They've stayed in another area until now and now they arrive and they set about making sure that Paul has everything he needs to sustain his ministry. So Paul discontinues his tent making and goes to teaching the word full time. Invariably what happens here is what happens everywhere Paul goes. He starts in the synagogue. And a lot of the folks there come to believe in Jesus, but there's a lot that don't. And eventually that causes a division. And eventually those that don't embrace Jesus tell Paul, get out of here and don't come back. And so Paul leaves his work there and then takes his work very intentionally to the Gentiles around. He builds that core. And then once he's not allowed there anymore, then he starts to reach out to the other Gentiles around. So we pick it up in verse seven. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Tedious Justice, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, verse nine, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. That's very unusual. Paul didn't stay anywhere for a year and a half, but there was something special going on in Corinth. And I think part of what made it special was Priscilla and Aquila and the reality of what they had created together with Paul had created a setting where the gospel was going forward very well. We jump down to verse 18. After the year and a half, it says, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. So he even extended it from there. Two years, maybe two and a half years, we don't know. And then it says, then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Very unusual. Now, there were people all along the way that would join up with Paul, join his entourage and, and travel with him. Luke does that. Timothy does that. And, and for a second here, it kind of looks like maybe Priscilla and Aquila have done the same. But it doesn't really turn out that way. You see, Paul is headed back to Antioch, where he came from. And he wants to go to Jerusalem first. So he leaves the brothers. He sails for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sincrea because of a vow he had taken. It's interesting the things that get included in the story, isn't it? Verse 19. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined, 
But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. So now Paul goes on and he'll, he'll go down and to Caesarea and then up to Jerusalem and finally back to Antioch. But Priscilla and Aquila only make that first stop. They only go from Corinth to Ephesus. So now we have this couple. They started in Rome, but got pushed out of there, went to Corinth, spent some time there. Now they've moved. You ever moved in your life? You ever moved a couple times? It's really tough these days, isn't it? Can you imagine how tough it would have been for them? And how easy it is for you when you go to a new place to feel like, well, yeah, I'll never really get it going like we had before, and you just kind of stay on the sideline and things like that. Well, let me tell you something. Deborah is a good example of this. Deborah's been involved in a project that's had a, a powerful impact on children in this church and is going to have a powerful impact on all of us over time. She's only been here a year. You don't have to be somewhere a long time to do what God has enabled you to do and make a difference. And as we will see, this is the kind of people that Priscilla and Aquila are. Wherever they go, they do what God has enabled them to do. So here they are in Ephesus. They've already been in Corinth at just the right time. Now, I'm talking about Priscilla and Aquila here. A couple interesting things about them. First of all, they're always mentioned together. There's no place in the Bible where Aquila is mentioned without Priscilla or Priscilla without Aquila. Can you think of any other married couple in the Bible that's treated that way, that it's always mentioned together? Ananias and Sapphira, but that's not a winning one. No. No, no, no. We're not happy with that one. Other than them. <laughs> Maybe Adam and Eve, right? <laughs> but they're always mentioned together. So they're in Corinth at just the right time for Paul to show up. And what is it that they do that helps Paul? They open their home, they open their lives, and they say, come and join us. Now they've gone to Ephesus. What in the world are they doing in Ephesus? Well, I believe what they're doing in Ephesus is God has another apostle who he needs Priscilla and Aquila to bless. We go on reading. We jump down to verse 24. It says, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. Now, we've already said a lot about who this guy is just right there. First of all, he's a Jew. So he's, his background is in the teachings of Israel and Israel's God. Second, his name is Apollos. That's a Greek name. That means he's a Hellenized Jew. He's from a family that has adopted Greek culture. Third, he's from Alexandria. Alexandria was a city in those days of great learning and great knowledge the great library of Alexandria. He is from this place. So here is a young man, very intelligent, moves easily in Jewish culture, can move easily in Greek culture, very well educated. Now listen to this description of this man. I think you would struggle to find any other person in the, in the Bible described in the way Apollos is. Listen to this. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. 
He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Did we not just describe the perfect apostle slash uh, evangelist slash pastoral candidate? I mean, this guy had it all. But God needed him to learn one more thing. It goes on, it says, though he knew only the baptism of John. Now to understand this, you gotta go back to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was baptizing people for the repentance from sin. And, but he said himself, he said, I baptize for the repentance of sin, but there is one coming after me who will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He was, of course, talking about Jesus. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples, this uh, act of baptism is transformed forever going forward. Because yes, it's still a baptism for repentance of sin, but it is also a baptism into a new life, a coming up into a new life in which we are filled as believers with the Holy Spirit and given gifts of the Spirit and given the fruit of the Spirit and empowered to be effective for doing the work of God's kingdom. Apollos had all the information right, but he had not yet experienced in fullness, it seems, the baptism of fire in the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 tells us, Apollos began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their what? It's always about home with them. They invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Now I want you to appreciate this. Priscilla and Aquila, I don't think, knew more theology than Apollos. I'll bet they couldn't even quote as much of the Bible as he could. Yet they understood that God had given them a role to play in his life. And so, rather than confronting him in an ugly way and saying, you're not ready, they said, come to our house, let's talk. And here Apollos, the great evangelist apostle to be, comes to their house, and this simple couple explains to him the way of Jesus more adequately. Should be a lesson to us, shouldn't it? What happens after that? When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, that's the region where Corinth is, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public. That's something Priscilla and Aquila couldn't do, but Apollos could. Proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. The point of it is this. God has given us all abilities and roles to play in his church. Priscilla and Aquila, it appears their greatest ability was the ability to create in their home a place where people were nurtured and developed in the way of the Lord. Paul came to their home and was blessed. Apollos came to their home and was blessed. But that's not the end of it. 
You see, we don't hear any more about them in the book of Acts. The story goes on. They get left behind. But Paul doesn't forget about his friends. He mentions them three more times. He mentions them in his first letter to the Corinthians. You see, Paul writes to that church in Corinth that he got started, that town where he met Priscilla and Aquila. He writes them a letter. And apparently he's in Ephesus at the time, and Priscilla and Aquila are there because we find in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. You see, they, were, they knew Corinth. They knew the people. So Paul's writing a letter. They said, hey, be sure to say hi to everyone for us. But notice what else it says. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their what? House. It's not just Paul they invite in. It's not just Apollos they invite in. They invite anybody who wants to come over and worship the Lord with them. And maybe they'd had this success and, and were happy with it, but... But you know, we did that then, we're somewhere else now. No, that's not how they are. Paul writes another letter, this time to the Romans. You see, apparently the time came when the Jews were allowed to go back to Rome, and apparently Priscilla and Aquila decide, let's go back to Rome. Because by the time Paul writes his letter to the Romans, he says this, Romans 16, beginning in verse 3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. So now they're back in Rome. Now listen to what Paul says about them. He says, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. But then notice verse 5. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Didn't matter where they went. It didn't matter if it was Corinth and they'd just been thrown out. It didn't matter if they were refugees. It didn't matter if they'd gone to Ephesus and stayed there. It didn't matter if they were in Rome. They served God the way they served God best everywhere they went. And I believe they're mentioned together because together they created the kind of warm and welcoming community that a church needs in order to grow. They fostered Paul. They fostered Apollos. And they had churches in their home wherever they went. So much did Paul appreciate them. There's one more mention of them in the Bible. They are at this point apparently with Timothy somewhere. But in Paul's last letter to Timothy, thought to be the last letter he wrote, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. So even in this late letter... He's still remembering his lifelong friends who poured into him at such an important time in his life. So what's the point? When we engage, when everybody brings what they bring best, God's church thrives. Not all the gifts are the same. Not all the skills are the same, but here's the thing. Yeah, you have to have apostles to go and get things going. But as good as apostles are at getting the church started, apostles never stay put. They go on. 
The apostles get it going, but it's the Priscilla's and the Aquila's that make the church last. It's the people who open their hearts and their homes to the other believers that build lasting Christian community. An apostle can go somewhere and and for a while bring out a big crowd. But the crowd will go away when the apostle goes. Unless there are Priscilla's and Aquila's who will turn the believers into a church. This is particularly important in a big church. Often in a smaller church, the Priscilla's and the Aquila's are pretty obvious. There are these people who are there in the church and they know everyone and everyone knows them and, and they care for everybody in the church. I've got some good friends in a church in Michigan that are, that are perfectly like this. They've created a whole culture. They've lived there for 30 years and, and out of the goodness of their hearts and their willingness to open their homes and their willingness to participate have created a whole lasting church culture. The pastors come and go, but that church remains strong because of the Priscilla's and the Aquila's that they were and that they have established after them. It's a little tougher in big churches because we rarely know everybody. The truth is a church this size, we probably need 30 Priscilla's and Aquila's in order to see to it that everyone is engaged and that everyone has a place to grow. It'll stop. All right. What we do at church each week is really good and really important. But this isn't enough. The different gifts that are used to do these things, speaking gifts, singing gifts, music gifts, all the different pieces that go into it is, is critical to the church. But the strength of the community only happens when the Priscilla's and the Aquila's and the Deborah's and the Janet's and everybody brings their skills and abilities and their willing hearts to become engaged in the work of God in their day. When everyone comes, when everyone brings what they have, we are so much better and so much more blessed. Are you a Priscilla or an Aquila? What has God enabled you to do? Priscilla and Aquila are never named as apostles. They're never named as prophets. They're never named as evangelists. They're not even ever named as authorities in the local church. Yet because they were faithful to what God enabled them to do, they built up Paul's ministry, they built up Apollos' ministry, and they had a church in their home everywhere they went. Everybody here can make a difference for the kingdom. Let's all be Priscilla's and Aquila's. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit 
that you would equip us. You've already equipped us, that you would make us aware of the gifts you've given and the opportunities we have to serve and make a difference. Lord, we're talking this year about engaging with each other, about turning conversations in the aisle at church into murals on the wall of a children's Sabbath school. Lord, this is how you do your work. Help us all to believe that we can make a difference and be a part. In Jesus' name, amen.